0: Hey, hey, all right. How's it going? Welcome to episode number two. In episode number two, I'm going to talk about working in golf, getting into working in golf, spotting an opportunity to get involved in working in golf and doing something that you love. But also a little story about a time when I gave a golf lesson to somebody that cried during that golf lesson. Um, and I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm a relatively emotional guy, <laughs> and uh, this episode made me cry during the golf lesson to the point where I became a mess of a man. Um, but that's linked with the uh, with the theme about working in golf. So, firstly, I've just very briefly, I turned golf. I, be, uh, I became a golf pro uh, when I was 23. I turned pro, turned pro then, and that's actually we're we talking 19 years ago now I know what you're thinking now you can be thinking what just put, put two and two together you be thinking wow I thought he was way older than that <laughs> but um no so I turned pro a long long time ago actually what it seems like and then when I look back on um my first experiences of coaching uh, back that long time ago it's kind of like wow I really knew nothing about that whole process when I first got into it um but the reason I did it is because. It was like so exciting to try and get involved in something that I really, really like doing. Um, But the perception of becoming a golf pro is that like, oh, okay, so what tour are you going to go play on? Well, you know, like I think I was pretty self-aware enough to realise that I wasn't going to be going winning anything in terms of like major championships or trying to qualify for like the European tour or things like that. I just knew that I loved golf a lot and that I was good enough to sort of meet the criteria of becoming a golf pro. I was just very keen to get involved in working within the golfing industry so i was quite happy to try and turn my turn my turn my hat turn my turn turn, (laughs) i was quite happy turn my hand into like um lots and lots of different sort of uh departments of being a golf pro eg like the retail the, the coaching the playing the customer interaction all of those sorts of things so i was keen to get involved in all of that sort of thing um, with a, like the opportunity of playing in some sort of um, golf tournaments and stuff as well, which is very, very exciting. Um, but a lot of people don't realise that that's sort of a, an option, really, and that you, know, you could become a golf pro and not have playing as your primary main focus. Um, so, yeah, so I turned pro 19 years ago. He did a playing ability test, which back then, you know, the criteria... realistically wasn't that hard i think i had to shoot like four over for round one four over for round two to sort of pass and i I managed to do quite a bit better than that so that was cool Um, i think perhaps the criteria now has become maybe fractionally easier to pass that test and maybe even the handicap is a little bit higher but a lot of people didn't know that that i think i don't know it might have changed now but at the time it was you could become a four handicap golfer and then also then become a golf professional now if you're a four handicap golfer tone pro it's very unlikely that you're ever going to make a career out of playing golf um because you know that's not going to be good enough to win anything but it could get you um down the path of sort of quite an exciting career really so you could do that and a lot of people don't know that um and which brings me to this story about (laughs) Um, A guy that cried during a golf lesson. So I was actually coaching golf at the Open. Um, I mean, I have done for the last last three Opens and I'm going to be lucky enough to go to this one at St Andrews coming up in July. But at the last Open I was coaching at, which is at Royal St George's, a man (laughs) turned up for a golf lesson with me. And he was uh, six foot two, in incredibly good shape, looked like some sort of male model and you know made me feel pretty inferior about myself and um i was just chatting to him and stuff i was like wow like you're really good like in terms of his swing was exceptional and he was hitting it great you know what what sort of information do you want from me he goes well i'm just a little bit inconsistent i kind of hit it a little bit to the right sometimes so i gave him a little bit of advice on his technique um I asked him what his handicap was he goes oh my handicap's two and i was like well that's really good he goes yeah i don't really get a chance to play much now what would work and stuff and what have you so I've got full-time work and things like that but I said oh okay so like what what do you do for work and then he was explaining to me about his work he goes yeah but I hate that it's horrendous but you know it kind of pays the bill this dude I would say the oldest he was was probably 26 27 years old I was like wow so you're going to be doing that (laughs) you're going to be doing that job that you hate for like another 40 44 years And I think, like, I don't know if it takes somebody just to say something like this. It was like the penny dropped for him. And he was like, oh, my God, you're right. I am going to be doing this for like the next 44 years. He said, I hate my job. He goes, I wish I could do something as cool as what you're doing. I was like, well, you could. You could do something as cool as what I'm doing. And his face was like befuddled by the idea that he could like become a golf pro he was like oh my god i, I thought you had to be like a plus handicap golfer to be able to turn pro i was like no no you're already good enough you could do it like you could put your papers in and try and apply to get on onto the pga and then do your degree in golf and then do your playing ability test and you could be doing it in no time his girlfriend then came in into the conversation she was like whoa I had no idea you hated your job so much you've never really opened up like that before you've never said that you've um hated your work so much and so then he was he got a little bit emotional about it because she then said to him well you know I make a decent enough living I can support us why don't you go do it and he was like what, really? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she goes, yeah, you silly old sausage. Why don't you go do it? If that's something you want to enjoy, why don't you go do it? And then he just kind of, like, burst into tears Not f- for, for two reasons, I'm sure. Like, maybe it's quite overwhelming that he could have, like, potentially got himself into something very, very exciting that he loved, but also the, the fact that he had, um, the, like, the backing of his girlfriend and he kind of felt like... Um, Maybe that was a no, do you know what I mean? So, unless you kind of mention that and talk about it, you never know what kind of A options are available to you and two, what could be what kind of like path you might go down. So, now annoyingly... Oh, yeah, and by the way, because he, because he started crying, obviously that kind of set me off a bit as well. And, yeah, that was... It was a bizarre moment where somebody realised that they could actually probably make their life way more exciting. And uh, his emotion poured out onto me too. But anyway, so... With that in mind, it's kind of interesting because I teach quite a lot of elite players um, and it's amazing really how many people don't know that that's actually like a career option for them. I think everybody thinks turn pro, become a pro, get on the tour, oh, I'm not good enough to do that. There are so many different options available to you as, in terms of becoming a golf professional and it could be crazy, crazy exciting for you. If you thought that you were almost knocking on the door ability-wise of being able to meet that criteria of what I think is a full handicap or better to be able to become a golf pro. Now, the the work involved is pretty hard. Like if you've got to do a degree in golf, it's over a three-year period. It might cost you a bit of money to do that. But I would 100% recommend to anybody going down that path if it's something that you love. Because once you're in the golfing industry, it is a very, very exciting place to be. Um, so my first couple of experiences of coaching were, um, well, you know, like you've got to start at some point, you know. So obviously you get to a good standard of golf. It's it's like, OK, well, I know a bit, you know, I know a bit about the golf swing from like just giving myself some information um, and, you know, hitting certain shots and stuff. So you obviously try and apply what you've learned um, into that. But my final year's exam was was arguably like it's supposed to be like the hardest exam of your life but i was so lucky (laughs) with my final year exam the guy sat next to me um before his exam was white like a sheet i was like are you all right this is up at the belfry he goes no i'm not all right dave I said, like, what's what's going on with you? He goes, I'm just, like, crazy nervous. And then I'm not going to say the person's name, but he was petrified of getting a certain golf pro assessor for his, goal, for his final year's exam. He goes, oh, I just don't want to get so-and-so person. And then with that, so-and-so person comes out of the door and calls his name up to go and do the final year's golf lesson. He stood up and then he was sick in a plant pot there was an <laughs> there was an olive tree growing out of this ginormous plant pot he was sick in it right in front of the assessor white as a sheep then got up and did a golf lesson he came back in half an hour later I said how did that go he goes not great Dave <laughs> no it wasn't great Dave to be honest I was like oh okay so that's a fail then probably isn't it um, so I got called up and I did mine um, I had a different assessor and uh just give you a little quick breakdown of like how that lesson went so when you when you do um golf coaching exams you have to kind of follow the guidelines of what the professional golfers association would deem to be like a really good strategy for coaching golf which I I do 100% buy into like the idea is that you Translate the stuff that you're going to be uh, giving information on to the flight of the golf ball. So if somebody's slicing it or they're hooking it or they're hitting it low or they're hitting it high, you talk about all the factors within the golf swing which link to that ball flight. And then you make the necessary uh, changes to their technique or enhancements to their technique. Um, based on those characteristics of the ball flight not just on um, your ideology of the golf swing or trying to make their swing look prettier like if it for example if their left arm was considerably bending in the backswing how does that affect the ball flight so that might not be something you address unless you could articulate that that was actually a really really good thing to do so I had a chap that had a corporate day Planned. so he was going to a corporate day so how often are you playing and then he goes i don't really play very often i haven't got a handicap i don't hit it very far i'm not particularly consistent all i want to do is not make a out of myself for the golf day that i've got coming up and i was like oh okay that's cool and he goes oh yeah i hit it nowhere so i just like i could do with like a little bit more distance and consistency and it's like okay you're not asking for much then half an hour I said, are you likely to go away and practice? And I, if I give you some information, are you going to be... He said, no, Dave, I'm not going to be able to go away and practice. I'm like, I'm a busy dude. I've got no time to practice. So I just need a couple of like, little hints. I was like, great, this is cool. So the, the guy that I was giving this golf lesson to, I'd say he's probably 40, businessman, well-dressed. I said, "To his, 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 imagine this now you're in your golf stance in rounded spine angle and your chin firmly against your chest um, in your setup." so he had his chin firmly against his chest which means if you imagine now you could try this if you want to you put your chin against your shoulder if you try and uh, against your chest sorry if you try and rotate you're going to struggle to do that because your shoulder is going to go and get in the way okay bear in mind you've got to kind of keep your eye on the golf ball a little bit if your if your chin is against your chest you're not going to be able to get that shoulder to work underneath your chin so he couldn't rotate in the backswing for the simple reason his chin was too low so i said to him look you can't rotate you can't create enough speed can't create enough power just for the simple reason that your chin is too low. So we'll get your posture a little bit better. Your grip looks pretty good. Your ball position's good. Let's get your chin up a little bit. And then now you can rotate. Did a couple of exercises of like how to rotate the body a little bit. He's like, "Well, oh, this feels a bit different, Dave. And um, so it worked. You know, he, he <laughs> it could not have gone better. He, he went from hitting it like 100 yards to like 140 yards. And it was kind of, you know really obvious that it was better and coincidentally like where that becomes like a a better way to swing the club actually made him more consistent as well because before he was just swinging his arms he started to use his body really well and hit it further so that was my final year's of, um golf lesson which i actually managed to get a distinction for which i was well chuffed with that and then weirdly like my first golf lesson that i give, and this is where it gets a little bit strange <laughs> my first ever golf lesson that i gave and we're talking, like I said, about 18, 19 years ago now. Um, that's not true because that would have been my, I would have done that. that. That would have been, I would have been probably past my first year actually. So, um, so that the golf lesson I gave after this exam when I was fully qualified, let's say, um, I remember it, it was almost the identical golf lesson to this uh, chap that I was coaching golf to during this um, this session. So, I was like, oh, okay. like your chin's like touching your chest. You need to, like, get your chin up a little bit because you can't rotate. And uh, he put his chin up and he goes, this is great, Dave. I completely understand what you're saying, but I can't see the ball. Right. So I was like, ah, okay. so he's got some bifocals on. So he's wearing these bifocals and then he's looking through the top part of the glasses. You know, the non-reading bit. The non-reading bit of your spectacles. <laughs> he was like looking through that bit. So when he put his chin up, he's then looking through the reading bit, which made all like the ball go funny. And there's like three balls. He's going like, there's three balls. Eh? Which one am- what am I doing here? I can't see the. But this is good that I've got my chin up and I can rotate, but I can't see the ball. So this is really, really like a weird thing to do, particularly when you're new to coaching. I got his glasses and I flipped them up upside down. Remember Dennis Taylor, <laughs> snooker player? I got his glasses and I stuck them up upside down on his head. So then the bifocal bit was like higher up and then he was just looking through the bit that he was used to looking through. So he's like, oh, my God, this is wild. But having said that, (laughs) I was only charging like 20 quid for like a half an hour lesson back then. But to me, then that was like, okay, this is still like a healthy amount of money to be charging somebody for this kind of advice. And all I've said to him is stick your chin up and then turn your glasses upside down. (laughs) But in fairness to him, that worked so well. That worked really, really well. And um, I just, I spoke, to, I gave that guy one lesson. That was the only lesson I ever gave that dude. And um, I've, I saw him for as long as I was, I was working at that golf club for like another seven or eight years on top of that. And he, I was like, how's it going? he goes, yeah, it's cool, Dave. Yeah, it's going all right, thanks. <laughs> it was like, great. <laughs> so that was uh, that was kind of cool. And then also in my like first week of coaching golf, I just mention a brief story about a guy that I gave a golf lesson to and again this is at a time where you're kind of just learning on the job it's all kind of new you know gave a lesson to this guy called Big Pete It's called Big Pete for um obvious reasons okay so Big Pete was kind of retired age slightly rotund gentleman and um he goes Dave I've got this giant slice I was like okay that's cool I've seen a few slices before we can get to that simple science you know he goes no 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 this is a big old slice. You're going to struggle with this. I've been to go- see every single golf pro and they've never, never sort this out. Oh, okay, great. I mean, Why'd you come see me for? Anyway, so, Big Pete. <laughs> he's done to make golf ball. Not great at a dress. Not great. Or oh, you to imagine that he's whipped the club really inside on the backswing. So it's gone really behind him. So imagine you're, um, imagine there's a view of the swing on your iPhone. And then that, the club head just instantly goes off the frame down the left-hand side, yeah? So he's really whipped it in. And you can't really hit it from there. So what he's done is he's whipped it in and then he's lifted it up. So now he's lifted it up so far across the line that it's kind of... The club head now is pointing over on the right-hand side of your iPhone screen, if you can imagine that. Then he's kind of rotated back at it. So the club is swinging so far left and steep... That he's hit it so far left <laughs> off the initial target line that he's swung it, sh- he swung it so left that he's hit the ball straight into his leg. <laughs> and he's let out this almighty yelp. <gasps> he's let out this almighty yelp and it's taken him clean off of his feet, um, up in the air, four or five feet and then landed back down on the ground. Big Pete was a big lad. He came down with a thud. And, oh, my God, are you all right? He goes, no, I'm not all right, Dave. (laughs) I think he... um, I don't know exactly what he did to his leg, but he couldn't get up and he couldn't walk. So I had to uh, to call somebody. I didn't call an ambulance, but I called somebody that gave him a lift to hospital. And um, I only saw him hit that shot. That was the only one time I actually actually tried to give that guy a golf lesson. And, he. uh, yeah, that uh, that was eventful. So that was... My sort of first sort of experiences of golfing and golf golf coaching back then, and I'm sort of pleased to say that, you know, it's weird because like the more and more you learn, the more you realise you don't really know anything, and obviously your coaching evolves as you go, and you learn so much by either noticing patterns and matchups of things that work and don't work and stuff and what have you so for example I was when I first started coaching golf I was really religious about trying to get somebody to hold the club incredibly well but if somebody swings the club really really well they should probably hold it pretty well but if somebody swings the club wild sometimes like giving them a really good grip actually isn't a very good matchup. so the key to like the whole golf coaching process really is to kind of like ask the right questions what do you want to do do you want to what's what's your aim for your golf lesson it's very wrong of a golf pro to impart their theory on what they should be doing you know because everyone has different goals some people just want to enjoy the game a little bit more some people are just looking for a little bit more distance some people are trying to eradicate a slice and unless you sort of ask the right questions to somebody you never really really know what they want so as long as the golf coach can find out what they want ask the right questions extract that information from them then perhaps they're going to get greater value out of their tuition versus somebody giving them a load of technical information on this is how you should do it um, and imparting their kind of thoughts on it. So in review of this um, I've spoken to a lot of good golfers that have been good enough to be able to maybe go down the road of becoming a golf pro also, in the brief time that I've used social media, on in particular Instagram, uh, which is roughly three years, I would suggest, I've watched closely a lot of good accounts of, that have grown and built, and people that have been doing jobs that they hate, well, not hate, or, or either hate or dislike, or not seen as their forever jobs, and having grown pretty decent social media <laughs> social media accounts over. What, in the grand scheme of things, is a relatively short space of time of three or four years? They've got themselves into a position where actually they would be pretty desirable to have, as um, from a from a potential employer within the golfing industry. So even if you you're thinking, well, I'm never going to be good enough to become a golf pro, which is possibly true, possibly true. Um, if you're constantly doing something you love and interacting with, say, the golfing industry and striving for involvement within golf and you have some patience, there's a possibility that you could grow something pretty exciting on your social media to then open up some avenues and some doors to getting involved within the golfing industry. and have a little think about what you (laughs) this doesn't apply to everybody i'm nowhere near qualified to dish out life advice for sure all i can say is applying it to my own personal experiences of doing something that i absolutely love and still having to pinch myself that actually i get to do something that's really really fun and really different each day um so much different um activities through my working week um so like i said i'm not qualified to give this information but if you're thinking that you don't have enough time to like stop what you're doing now and pursue something more exciting you might be wrong about that and perhaps there's plenty of time for you to pursue a career in something that could be incredibly incredibly exciting okay so that was episode two episode three will be coming shortly and talk about something else but um also i've got some guests lined up so that'll be quite cool so you won't just have to listen to me kind of rambling on about stuff you can hear from some experts in some certain fields and some fun people and um some cool stuff thanks for listening everybody bye